Hello. We at Established Footsteps Ministry are glad you've chosen to listen to this teaching. Here is Sharon Thomas speaking part two of Praying God's Word. I hope that you have been encouraged tonight to get on your knees and to use this weapon of prayer. I know that we all come together with different lives and different seasons and we're in different places in our walks with the Lord. But I asked you earlier to join a club with me. And I hope you joined in, and probably all of us could be a member there with myself and the disciples and Christians all over the world who are learning how to engage God. But I want to encourage you with this, with the whole idea of the disciples, you know, being in, um, in that club. You know, Jesus himself taught them how to pray. You know, he was sitting right there with them, and he taught them, and they didn't get it right right away. And so don't put too much pressure on ourselves as we're going to maybe make some commitments tonight to do something new in our prayer life. You know, how many times in the Word did they fall asleep when Jesus wanted them to pray for him? You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane he asked him to pray for him. And he comes back and he says, you couldn't even do it for one hour? Come on, wake up here. Let's get going. But you know what? Little by little, they did learn. The Bible says we're changed little by little from glory to glory. And the way that I know that they learned is many of the disciples actually wrote some of these books in the Bible. And we get to actually read their prayers. In fact, God used them to write his very language in the word. And so we know that they did get it and that they became very powerful prayer warriors. And here's the point. The more we are in the word and it's changing our minds and our hearts then we will pray with more clarity and faith and power, too, because the word and prayer go together. I want to tell you right at the front, in case any of you are afraid, I'm not going to talk as long right now as I did just a minute ago. It's just going to be a short little time. Who knows if we've got, like, two feet of snow out there or something, you know? But God's good. He's our all-sufficiency, and he'll get us home safe. Um, I saw this yesterday. I wasn't even going to say this, but somebody sent me a picture. I think she's here, Caroline, somewhere. And it was a car, and it said... Well, it said, the bumper sticker said, honk if you love Jesus, text if you want to meet him right now. <laughs> so, I just thought it was so funny. So he is our all-sufficiency, but we do have to use wisdom. I printed it for my daughter and put it on her bed, this big. But um, anyway, we are going to spend just a little bit of time, just for a few minutes, talking about a couple things to just be really practical with this. And I just want to encourage you for just a few minutes first about how important it is for the word and prayer to go together and why it is so important that our prayer life be guided by the word of God. The Bible says that our faith comes by hearing the word of God, by literally being in the word of God, putting that in our hearts and minds. And any one of us, can really allow our prayer life to be guided by our own thinking. And our own thinking really cannot be very godly sometimes. I mean, it's easy just in our own humanity for our thinking to be negative, disappointed, greedy, hopeless, deceived even. And I don't care how long we've been a Christian. Not one of us is immune to having a worldly thought process in our minds if we're not in the Word of God and getting the faith that we need for our prayers. It takes faith to pray and believe in a God to do something that you can't even see. But the more He builds that faith in you through the Word of God, and He's the one that said it, not me, that's how we get faith. If we need faith to pray, then we've got to be in the Word of God for that. 
I love a scripture in Ephesians 4 that says that the word of God literally washes our minds. It's talking about how the, the word, how God washes the minds of the church with the word. Well, who is the church? The people of God. You know, it's all of us as individuals. And he washes our minds with the word. You know, you think about it. Many of us would, I hope all of us, but you know, we wouldn't climb into bed at night in the clothes that we've been wearing all day without washing our face and, you know, brushing our teeth and washing our hands. I mean, sometimes I know you just are so tired, you just fall out. But I mean, it's not a general practice, right? Please tell me, right? Yeah. So, but also, you know, if even with that, maybe you do that, but I know you don't get up in the morning without combing your hair, you know, washing your face, taking a shower, brushing your teeth. Those We wouldn't think of going off to work, you know, in the same old stuff we wore yesterday. I mean, we take time for those things. But how many of us fall into bed at night and try to pray and our minds and hearts are filthy from all the stuff of the day? How many of us rush out the door to work and we're going to have this great prayer time in the car and literally our hearts and minds look like they just rolled out of bed? Really? And it's so important that we allow the Word of God to wash our hearts and our minds so that when we approach God, we're approaching Him in faith. Recently, I was studying in John chapter 10 in a Bible study that I'm in. And it was talking about Jesus being our shepherd. And we were reading some notes and studying about that. And uh, it said that as a shepherd would bring a sheep into the fold at night, he would hold his rod down really low over that sheep so that the sheep would have to kind of sprawl out. And the reason he did this was so that he could look very carefully at the sheep's body and make sure that there weren't any wounds on the sheep or anything that needed attention. Because if it did, in his compassion, he he would take care of it and bind up that wound and, and deal with that wound so that then he could gather that sheep into his fold safely for the night. And that just thrilled my heart when I realized what that was. Because, see, that's my Jesus. At night, he wants me to bring his word into my thought processes so in his compassion and love, he can hold the rod of his word low over my life and he can take a look at me and make sure that nothing has hurt me that day that's not going to allow me to be safe in his fold for the night. And this same word tells me that in the morning he wants me to seek him to wash my mind with his word and get me ready with faith for the day so that I can approach it in a way that he's going to use me. The time in the word gives us vision for what we can pray in our lives and gives us that faith. And if we're not in the word, we're just praying out of our own thinking. And we all know where that can lead a lot of times. In the last couple of years, I've really been blessed by a woman named Jody Burnt. She's written a couple of books about praying for your children that I think are jewels. And I'll talk about them just a bit more in a minute. But listening to something that she says. She says, reading my Bible, I would discover little nuggets that I could pray over my kids. And my prayer life took on a whole new dimension. She goes on to say, I wasn't prepared for the depth of fulfillment, joy, and confidence that came with tapping into principles and promises that had first sprung from the heart of Almighty God. See, the word is God's language. It's alive. How do we pray in that language, though? I want to give you just a couple practical examples. Probably some of you already do this in your prayer time. But just to show you what I mean when we say that, so we, we make sure that we're very clear. For instance, maybe... You have an, a situation in your life where, you know, you wake up in the morning and something that's going to go on during the day, you're afraid of that thing, you know? 
And, and so you might start your prayer, God, I'm just so afraid. Help me, God. Spill out the story and you pretty much end it with, you know, protect me, help me, God. And that's not a bad prayer. Please don't think that I'm saying that. But listen to the difference. If we were in the Word of God, looking at Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is an amazing psalm about how God protects his children. It uses some imagery that's just amazing. I'm going to read a few verses for you from Psalm 91, beginning with verses 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Verse 4, he will cover you with his pinions. Under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. Down in verse 11, he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. See, I can just come to God and say, help me, protect me, God. I don't know what I'm going to do. Here's the whole story. Protect me, God. Or I can say, God, your word tells me that I can dwell in the shelter of the Most High, in your shadow. I can't even imagine what your shadow's like, God. I cannot even imagine what the shadow of the Almighty is. But God, you can be sure that today I'm getting up under that thing. And, and God, I am going to run to you. You're going to be a refuge to me today. I am going to find my security and my safety in you. This tells me that your wings can be a refuge for me. And God, you can be sure that I am under those things today. And I am trusting in you. And this tells me that... You're going to give your angels charge over me. I'm telling you, God, send out as many as you got because I need them today. And I'm going to trust and know that your angels are kept around me today to guard me in all my ways. I don't know how it's going to work out, but this tells me you're going to protect me. Do you see the difference? Do you see how that is infused with faith? And you get that. I'm, I'm not talking about just spouting off words while you're not engaged. I mean, think about that, what it would be like to be under the shadow. Of Almighty, And you get that in your vision. And don't you know who the Holy Spirit is? He's your teacher. And the Bible says he brings things to remembrance for you. And so during the day, he's just going to give you these visions in your heart and your mind where God's just covering you. Or there's angels encamped around you. Things like that. And you're going to get to see God being real as you have literally called out his word to be true in your life. And saying to him, God, I believe. You're basically saying, I believe what you said. And I'm going to trust you, God, in that. And it makes your faith soar. And then it also gives you that knowledge of the word. They all work together, and it's just amazing. There's thousands of principles and promises all over this word that you can pray in your life and pray for the people that you love. There's stories all over this word that you can use as a basis for prayers. I mean, think about like um, in Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira. Some of us know that story. It was a couple that in the early church, everybody was so excited and they were basically selling everything they had and bringing all their money to the church because they just had this eternal mindset that that was really all that mattered. And it was an amazing time. But this couple had some land and they sold it. And they came to the church and they said to the leaders, to Peter, they said, We sold this land and we're bringing all our money to the church. But the truth was, see, they were being very pretentious, wanted to look good. The truth was they really only gave half the money. Now, nobody said they had to give all the money. They just wanted to look good in front of everybody else. And literally, Peter said to them, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? And they fell out dead. (laughs) Now, I read that, and you know what that can do? When I am coming before the Lord God, you know what? Why am I so worried about what people think about me? 
I read the destruction that came in their life. I read and I think, why did you do that? You didn't have to do that. And then I think, God, why do I do some of the things that I do that when I want to impress people or make them like me or whatever, why do I do that, God? And why am I selfish sometimes, God? You don't want me to be like that, Lord. Help me to remember this today, God, so that when I'm approaching people and when I'm dealing with things, Lord, just help me to have that mindset to remember this story and to really allow you to work in the truth in my life. Do you see how you can just bring these stories? And you can do that with your kids. And see, it's great for the kids to know the stories. But for them to learn the principles behind them and to really engage them in conversation and to read those stories and then teach them how to even be praying the Word and talking to God about the very things that He wrote. Being in the Word changes our thinking and it changes our prayers because it's like a washing of our minds. And when we think different, we pray different. And I really believe... That powerful praying begins with God's language. But let me tell you this. In your natural human state, in my natural human state, I am not going to be drawn to the word and I'm not going to be drawn to prayer. It's just the way it is. I'm going to be interested in my schedule. I'm going to be interested in the book that I want to read. I'm going to be interested in the newspaper that I read every morning and the show that I watch and all the other things that I have to do. And even though I'm going to be well-meaning and I'm going to mean to do it, it's probably not going to happen unless I am like super intentional about it. And probably most of us here today could say, yes, that is true. It's a scripture in Psalm Psalm 119, verse 32. And I love this scripture. It says, I will run the way of your commandments, for you will enlarge my heart. See, I know on my own that my heart is too little to contain the things of God, to love the things that God loves, to really be excited about the things that God's excited about. I'm too worldly on my own. I've just got that small heart. But I can make a commitment that I'm going to run the way of God's commandments And eventually, he's going to change my heart. And he's going to enlarge my heart to make it contain the things. And he's going to change my desires to where eventually I would rather be in the word. I would rather be praying than, you know, doing some things. And that's not to say we have to spend every moment of our day. Although the Bible does say pray without ceasing. And I think that's being in a heart and a mindset of prayer. But, you know, for us to allow God to change our, our mindset, sometimes we have to be very intentional and we have to put some discipline in it. We put discipline in other things in our lives. Why not in these things of God? And so how can we jumpstart this intentionality? How can we do that? I want to encourage you with a few things. First of all, I would encourage you to pray for a love for God's word and a love for prayer. God will answer that prayer with yes. It is his will that you talk to him, and it is his will that you love the things that he says, and that you talk and engage him about those things. You know you're praying within his will. And even if you've got a good prayer life, and even if you go to Bible study every week, and you read the word of God every day, you can pray for a deeper love, because there's always a deeper place that we can go with God. And he will be faithful and do that in your life. Another thing that I would encourage you in is to put yourself in a place of accountability with the word of God and with prayer. As we put ourselves in places of accountability, we sometimes do the right thing just because we know we are going to have to show up and have our lesson done, you know, but that's not always a bad thing. You know, we encourage our kids to do it so they'll get good grades. 
you know? And we put ourselves in places of accountability. We do our, our Bible study because we know we want to show up and we want to have that something to say and to be a part of the discussion. In our church here at Northside, there are six or seven women's community groups that focus in on Bible study. There, you, you can go at the table on your way out and talk to them about that if you're not involved in a Bible study somewhere. And in our community, there, we are very privileged here, and this is not always the way it is, but there are two international Bible studies, Community Bible Study and Bible Study Fellowship, that are amazing Bible studies, studying the Word verse by verse, and both of them are offered here in this community, and they're free. They're free, and they're amazing places to go and study the Word of God. There are free Bible studies online that you can do. There are great Bible studies that you can get involved in. Just gather a couple of your friends around. We're excited in our ministry because one of the studies that I've done, we just recently got it published, and now we can actually put it in people's hands. It's available tonight at the table. Some of you in this room have done this study. It's called Loving Life. But all that to say, you know, put yourself in a place of accountability. The community groups here are a wonderful place to do that. And I think Nancy Lamb will be at the table at the end, putting yourself in those places to be able to talk to people about the Word of God and spur one another on is so, so important. Also, placing yourself inside some boundaries personally. Putting some boundaries around your life. All of you saw Kelly Shepard, who's up here, um, the woman in the blue, leading our worship team tonight. Kelly works with me in ministry and established footsteps. And a few years ago, when she started working with us, she one day just took off the pretension and she said, you know what? She said, I've come to the place where I realize I don't love God's word like I should. And she said, you know what? I've got to do something about that. And she said, I'm praying about it, but she said, I'm going to do something about it too. She said, you know, I love to read. She said, I love to read novels. I can go through them in a day. She said, but you know what I'm going to do? She said, I'm buying a message Bible because I know it reads a little bit more like a book. And she said, I am not touching another novel, which was a huge deal for her, until I've read this book cover to cover. Now, some of you have read the Karen Kingsbury um, Baxter series. You know how addicting that is. I mean, there's what, like 16 books in the thing? And you know, you're just waiting for the next one. Well, Kelly had pre-ordered those things so that when they came out, they show up on her doorstep. So she got very tempted during that time because about judges, one of them showed up. And she had made this commitment. But you know what she did? She placed herself inside some boundaries and put it on the shelf and let the rest of us use her book for free. And then she kept reading her Bible. But you know what? God's done a work in her. Because she personally took some discipline and put herself inside some boundaries to make sure that she's in the Word of God. And you know what that does? That changes your prayer life. Because then you start building a faith inside your heart and your mind to where you can talk to the Lord about this. There's a hymn that says, We're prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. You know what? We've got to be a part of that with God. We've got to cooperate with him and sometimes put ourselves inside some boundaries. Let me just share with you quickly just a couple few resources. And we're going to actually give you a sheet as you leave tonight. Get one of these. There'll be somebody at the door. Uh, there's a variety of things on here that you can use to help you as you're moving forward in your own prayer life from wherever you're at. 
There are great books out there. I have some that are in my um, library personally that are really treasures to me. I've put them on the table back there. They have my name in them. Please don't walk off with them. But I'd love for you to look at them. They're in a box back there that's black and pink. Imagine that on the inside. But um, we like black and pink in our ministry, if you haven't noticed that. But anyway... Jody Burnt, who I mentioned earlier, has written two amazing books. To me, they are the best that you'll find for praying God's word for your kids. There's one, Praying God's Word for Your um, Children, Praying God's Word for Your Teenagers. She tells stories that bolster your faith and encourage you and literally categorizes scriptures for you to be able to pray them over your kids' lives. It's amazing when you start to see God work in doing these things. Stormy O'Mardian has written more books than I could even count about praying the Word of God. It's the power of a praying wife, the power of a praying parent, the power of a praying all these different things. All of them are great resources and you can use them to get you jump started and praying the word of God. And I highly encourage them. Also list. You can find lists online. You can get them from different ministries and things. I'm giving you some lists as you leave here tonight of some of the attributes of God, some of the names of God. Keep them in your Bible. Let that thing get tattered and torn as you get it out every day and you use that to engage God and to talk to him about some things. I hope as well on this sheet, you're going to find that model that I shared with you tonight. You know, I've, I've gotten it from different people and worked it out and, and worked through that and studied it. You know, make that model your own. You can rework it some as God shows you some things from that model yourself. Study it. When I pray now, I open my Bible up to Matthew 6. And I just work my way through and talking to the Lord. Now, does that mean every single time I come to God, I have to start at the top and work? No, because we pray without ceasing. But it's this idea of having a plan as we're going to communicate with the Lord. And knowing where we're going and what we're going to talk to him about is so, so helpful. I would encourage you to use that. And I would once again encourage you in your prayer life to put yourself in a place of accountability. I want to share with you something that we began doing um, this year. And I say we, me and, you know, seven or eight moms, in, some of them are here tonight, who have seniors this year in high school. You know, that was a very overwhelming thing to me when I looked at that in the fall. And I had just come off the summer of that amazing times of prayer with our team for our women's VBS. And one of the things that had happened during that time was we discovered this little tool that's free called a conference call line that you can sign up for online. You can get a free conference call line. You know, the last thing women need is something else to have to attend. Another meeting that you got to be away from home and get somebody to keep your kids and all these things. And when we were praying for VBS this summer, we'd all call in at 6 o'clock in the morning and pray together or 7 o'clock at night. We had different times throughout the day where people could call in together and pray. And it's a free conference call line. Every Wednesday night now at 9.30, I'm... I've got these women with me, and we call in together, and we're praying for about 30 minutes for our seniors this year. Now, let me tell you something. If I didn't have that group that was expecting me to get on that line every week with them on Wednesday, I would have probably quit in October. And I certainly wouldn't have been as diligent about, we, I prepare some sheets every Monday morning, like we'll focus on a certain thing. Like this week, we were praying together about our kids having a heart of repentance before God. You know, and that's something we do need to be praying for our kids, that our kids would be willing to humble themselves before the Lord and come clean before him every day, that they would say to God, create in me a clean heart, and they would care that God wants them to have a clean heart. We got to pray these things into our kids' life. They're not just going to happen because they come to church. 
you know? I mean, we hope so, and that's certainly going to help, but we got to really be purposeful as moms about praying for our kids. But I would have quit, I guarantee you, if these women were not expecting this from me, and if I knew that I wasn't expecting from them. And so every night, we're, every Wednesday night, we're calling in. Is it perfect? No. But what a great resource. You know, just that free conference call line. And there's so many creative things that we can do to encourage one another to pray God's word. In the break time, there was a young woman, Christina, that came over and met me. And she was such a joy. Go ahead and stand up. And your friend, too. I think, is it Jessica? Yeah. They, next Saturday, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, they're hosting a time right here at Northside to pray God's word for your husband's. I didn't even know anything about it. And so if you want to know anything more about doing that, I would encourage you to go talk to them. They're going to pray together for about two hours, they said. Just scripture that they're arranging together. And you know, what a neat time to hold one another accountable. Things need to be done in your marriage? Come pray God's word. Hold one another accountable. Thank you guys for standing up. I appreciate that. You know, here's the key. It's being intentional. It's being intentional. If you really want to move forward in this prayer life this year, if you really want God to do some things in the year 2010, we're going to have to be intentional. It will not just happen. You see, we serve a powerful God. His names alone describe this God that we can run to. And why would I not be willing to do everything I can to make sure that my conversations with him really mean something? You know, If you've ever gotten the chance to meet somebody famous, you prepare for that. You might go get a new outfit. You know, you might um, think about what you're going to say. I've even been known if I was going to have to have a conversation with somebody on the phone, and I was hoping that maybe um, I would get their voicemail instead, I've, like, typed out what I'm going to say. You know, we prepare sometimes for those things. But have you ever heard this song? You are the Lord, the famous one famous one great is your name in all the earth none of us are ever going to meet anybody more famous than god himself he is the famous one and we have to stop and i'm so glad we get to do this at the beginning of the year and ask ourselves what am i going to do to make sure when i meet him that it really really means something and that i have real conversations Because he's the only one that can really do anything about life. Here's the thing. As famous as he is, he has made a way for us to come into his presence. He sees us as we are, and yet he welcomes us. Hebrews 4 says that nothing is hidden from his sight. No creature is hidden from his sight. In other words, he can see everything you are. You don't have to get a new outfit because he can see right down into the crevices of your heart. (laughs) He can see everything about us. Nothing is hidden from his sight. But Hebrews 4 goes on to say, Let us therefore draw near to him with confidence and approach that throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He sees us, but he offers to us to come in and talk to him about anything we want to talk to him about and to trust him that he can do something about it. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Wow, what a privilege is that for us to get to come into the presence of God, knowing who he is and engaging him in real conversation. No pretense allowed. God, let's just be real. I need you to move in my life. I know I need to lift you up. You're just famous, God. 
And who am I that I would get to be in your presence, but you let me? And so, God, I just want to spend some time with you today. You know, why would we ever, ever be prayerless? I've had to ask myself that question. As this season of prayer has been birthed in me over this last year, you know, why have I allowed myself to be prayerless? And I just want to ask you, if you'll join me this year in praying God's word in 2010. I know that we won't be disappointed if we start from where we're at and we begin to engage God according to what he says about himself and about this world and these lives that he has given us. Thank you for listening to part two of Praying God's Word. Visit us at www.establishedfootsteps.com for more resources to assist you in establishing your daily steps in God's Word.